investigations and fluffy public interest pieces to news at mutinyradio.fm. We're always looking for writers and contributions. And check out our progressive news links at mutinyradio.fm. So tune in to Stranger in a Strange Land, Saturdays, midnight to 2 a.m. <laughs> Man, do you miss a Mutiny Radio show from your favorite DJ? Did you find out about a guest interviewed on Mutiny Radio a day too late? Are you wishing that you had a time-traveling DeLorean to listen to those shows again? Don't you fret. Simply go to mutinyradio.fm and listen to our podcast. Yes, it's that easy. Click on the podcast button and find your favorite show. Heck, click a variety of podcasts for a sample of all of our great programming here at Mutiny Radio. And don't forget to listen to us live on iTunes Radio under the Eclectic section. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more.
Okay, Leon Russell opening the show. The show, of course, is Labor and Love, where we tell you and remind you and let you know that when one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. We remind you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never... Let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, let's play another Bob Dylan. This is a regular on our show. Did you know you've got to serve somebody? Is it going to be capital or is it going to be labor? to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody Well, it may be the devil or 
deserve some money Maybe a rock and roll addict Dancing on the stage Money drugs at your command Women in a cage You may be a businessman Or some high degree thief They may call you doctor Or they may call you chief But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. It may be a state trooper. It might be a young Turk. Maybe the head of some bigger TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame, maybe living in another country under another name, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Maybe worker working on a home might be living in a mansion you might live in a dome you may own guns and you may even own tanks you may be somebody's landlord you may even own banks but you're gonna have to serve somebody Maybe a city councilman taking bribes on the side. Maybe working in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. It may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. I like to wear silk. My like to drink whiskey. My like to drink milk. My like to eat caviar. You might like to eat bread. Maybe sleeping on the floor, sleeping in a king size bed. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Maybe. 
Bob Dylan and of course reminding us again you're going to have to serve somebody no matter what you do if you don't stand up you'll be counted as standing up for sitting down Bob Dylan you got to serve somebody you know you do I want to play some nice bright Saturday morning music for you from the uh, archives of the swing era Check this out. Artie Shaw and his Summit Ridge 5.
Uh, did that swing or what? Artie Shaw in his Summit Ridge 5 from, uh, I want to say, 1940-41, before Shaw eventually gave up recording entirely. Uh, so what do we got for you today? Well, let's look down the menu. We got uh, Angela Y. Davis. We got Lenny Bruce. We got La Llorona. We got the Dixie Chicks and Buffy St. Marie. We got two instances of farm labor strikes in the 1930s and commentary about Carlos Pulosan, famous Filipino uh, organizer who was the inspiration for people like uh, Larry Itliong and... Uh, Philip Veracruz. What else have we got? We've got the birthday of one of the most famous of all American labor leaders, Eugene Victor Debs, and we've got the Day of the Dead, a live interview coming at you. All of that is coming at you today on the Labor and Love Show. But, uh, Let's play some music here. This is Leela Downs, and she's singing about a mythical figure in uh, uh, Mexican culture, La Llorona, the weeping woman.
salías del templo un día llorando cuando al pasar yo te vi hermosa huipil llevabas llorando que la virgen te creí hermosa huipil llevabas llorando que la virgen te Okay, that was uh, Leela Downs and her version of a song called La Llorona. La Llorona is a very powerful, strong, uh, kind of spiritual icon in Mexico. And wanted to talk about not only La Llorona, but the whole concept of the Day of the Dead, which is widely misunderstood. Uh, with a lot of people, they just say it's like the Mexican Halloween. Well, it's obviously much more than that. Where, uh, whereas European harvest festivals like Halloween have been uh, completely, completely commodified. They fit into this thing of buying a lot of sugar and a lot of crap to give to kids. Uh, the Day of the Dead carries a very deep spiritual significance. So I've, I've invited uh, Sylvia Ramirez, head of the former head of the uh, La Raza Information Center, to come and uh, talk about this holiday, the Day of the Dead, as well as La Llorona. Thank you for coming, Sylvia. say a few things. Um, well, La Llorona is one of those stories that I grew up with as a child. You would sit on somebody's doorsteps and eventually we would start talking about ghosts and somebody always had the story of La Llorona as well as La Llorona sightings. And there was always somebody that had seen La Llorona when I was a child. It's a, it's a sad story, uh, but it, it, and some people say that it's used by parents to scale, scare kids into coming home early at night because if you're out there 
by yourself. La Llorona is going to take you. And the story goes that a mother uh, throws her children into the river uh, out of uh, spite to her husband that has betrayed her. And she spends the rest of her dying days. She herself also dies in the river. But she comes back uh, looking for her kids. Not finding her kids, she will take anybody else's kids. So um, there's that lament of a mother having lost her, ch um, her love or uh, having lost her children. And... Um, and it's it's a it's a song of sadness, of loss, uh, of grieving, and um, a lot of people have been there, right? Um, the Day of the Dead in San Francisco is an interesting thing. Back in the '60s, when we were trying to acquire an identity as Chicanos, self-determination, there were Chicanos from all over, different parts of who were descendants of different parts of Mexico. Um, and a lot of us that were from northern Mexico celebrated Day of the Dead in a, in a very quiet way, maybe going to the cemetery and private homes, setting up small altars. Um, not as elaborate as they do in the southern area of Mexico, but then people started coming from the southern parts of Mexico with their own rituals and ideas. Mexico is a very large country with, um, you know, towns from one next to the, the other could have very different ways of celebrating their dead. And here in San Francisco, we had people from all over with different ideas. And all of a sudden, we started to celebrate the Day of the Dead in a public way because there's so many artists here. So no longer was there this small little altar in the home with a candle and pictures of our dead ones and and with um, uh, remembrances of who they were in, in artifacts or with food that they enjoyed when they were living. But, you know, all of a sudden, we wanted to have public... Uh, Dia de los Muertos um, at Galeria de la Raza. They started um, uh, having public events with music and and um, making skulls and um, uh, putting skulls on tortillas and marigolds and you know these magical altars with that were phenomenal and very artistic. And some of that comes from Oaxaca, some of it comes from Michoacan, and there's just different ways of celebrating throughout Mexico. Um, La Calavera, which was made famous by uh, Guadalupe Posada, became a big icon of Dia de los Muertos. Who knows where Guadalupe Posada got it from? There's been studies that Dia de los Muertos have been celebrated for thousands of years before the Europeans landed in Mexico, um, and and it's received a transformation. It's become a, you know, Catholicism got in the way too, and now um, just 
people coming together from all over the world has gotten in the way so now we have this big procession that ends up at Garfield Park on 25th and Treat and there's various representations depending on people's backgrounds and so we do honor people that have been killed by police we honor uh, our uh, the, uh, our ancestors, um, people that that came on a boat, people that came on a plane, uh, and you have children's schools that have their little altars to pets. It just has become a new thing as San Francisco is itself becoming and retransforming itself. Um, the good thing is that people continue to have little altars in their homes. A few years ago, I was invited to an event where um, the Moncada family was celebrating their ancestors, and, and, and it was just their family, and it was a private invitation, and they had dinner, and um, I was allowed to bring uh, my mom and my grandfather and my my father that had passed away and, and put him in the community altar, but it was a real f private family event. They didn't want to have the big parade and um, with, you know, Halloween aspects of it. They wanted to have their traditional Guanajuato type of Dia de, de los Muertos celebration. Um, and this year, I remember my mother again, Guadalupe Luera, a wonderful cook, my mother. I remember Julian Dumlao and Ilocano, also a wonderful cook. I, I ate a lot of Filipino food growing up. Uh, I want to remember Christine Morgan, a Greek lady that taught me a few, a few things, the mother of my husband. And I also want to remember uh, Ramon Sanchez, Ramon Moroyoki Sanchez, El, El Chanqui. Speaking about our identity in the 60s, uh, Ramon and I go way back to the founding of the Chicano Park in San Diego. I came here to San Francisco in 1973, and I came from San Diego, having spent, you know, more than four or five years of struggle, of being really involved in the Chicano movement in San Diego, the setting up of a cultural center, the setting up of youth centers, and um, uh, Chicano Park in Logan Heights. And I, uh, El Chanqui, a musician, was part of that struggle. Well, he passed away last Friday, October 28th, 2016, and he was included in many altars throughout Aztlan, throughout the Southwest. My sincere condolences to Isabel Enriquez, his wife, another fellow traveler, Ishkatli, um, their daughter that I knew well, and uh, the rest of the Sanchez and Enrique, Enriquez clan. Chunky was from Blythe, California. He was a, his uh, parents were farm workers, very much like mine, and I met him back in the 60s when we were um, defining ourselves as Chicanos and trying to um, figure out our way in the world. 
Um, we both got involved in the United Farm Workers and, uh, and in other activities in San Diego. And uh, he was a brother in the cost, so I will sincerely miss him. One thing I remember about Chunky, when I was getting divorced, he sent word through one of my children that he had been my friend during the Chicano movement, and he had my back, and he knew me better than he knew my ex-husband so that I could count on him no matter what. Chunky had my back. I always remember that, and I always remember this guy that would get on stage and made people laugh and be critical of themselves and just have a good time on stage. But on or off the stage, he always made us feel like he had our back. And this is my tribute and my goodbye, farewell to my brother, El Chunky, Ramon Sanchez. So that's all I have to say. Thank I'm you. going back to my walk in the mission. I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. I just want to talk a little bit more about this idea of the Day of the Dead. In Western culture, Europe-based culture, we tend to try to forget death. We try to wall it off from our everyday reality. And we try to make it something that we're just going to leave for the future. But the Day of the Dead ceremonies are a way of honoring the people who are gone and a way of remembering them and extending them into the present and also a way of admitting that yes you know we're gonna die and uh Guadalupe Posada made a beautiful collection of calaveras like skulls anyway thank you very much Sylvia Ramirez let's listen to the wind working review what's happening independent news we can review i'm doug cunningham working people are the overwhelming majority in america and yet our issues have taken a back seat in this presidential election united steelworkers president leo gerard says these are the issues that whoever becomes president-elect on november 8th should focus on to really help working families i would like to see the um, revitalization and passage of the employee free choice act as a minimum i think we need to have a national campaign to raise the national minimum wage to a living wage i think we've got to take an aggressive position on rebuilding America's infrastructure. 4,700 TWU 234 workers are on strike at SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. Pensions are one of the biggest issues. The union wants worker pensions calculated like management pensions. Worker earnings for pensions are capped, while managements aren't. TWU Local 234 President Willie Brown told local reporters that the worker position on pensions is not greedy. The thing that gets me the most is when you consider the pensions, we're not being greedy. I think SEPTA slapped the robbing public in the face, they slapped the taxpayers in the face when they told you they're going to do pension reform. Instead of doing pension reform, what they did was line their pockets. 
big business money, including millions of dollars from Anthem, is being used to fight hard against a very close ballot initiative in Colorado. Amendment 69 would create single-payer health insurance for all who live in Colorado, a Medicare-for-all kind of plan called Colorado Care. Donna Smith of Healthcare for All Colorado. It's very close. It's as close as a state can get, and we're working hard. We have uh, uh, just a few days to go, and a lot of ballots are being sent in now, so we're working very hard to canvas and phone call and reach out to people. As you might expect, the usual suspects are are raising opposition. We've had uh, insurance companies. Anthem has spent millions of dollars already and had committed to spend many millions more. The Workers' Center of Central New York is fighting hard for labor rights for farm workers. They have a lawsuit in court right now charging that farm workers' constitutional rights are being violated by being excluded from New York labor law protections. Carly Fox is with the Workers' Center of Central New York. It's really important that as we talk about this lawsuit that we frame it in the context of what we're trying to do, which is to build a movement of worker-led worker justice in New York State and throughout the country. So it's really um, not coincidence that this lawsuit has become possible on the heels of incredible amount of organizing work led by the Worker Center of Central New York. And they're focusing on organizing agricultural workers. Despite the fact that there's no legal protection for the workers to organize, they are fighting and they're working to organize their fellow co-workers. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was the uh, Workers Independent News. And a very important issue, the Workers Free Choice Act. Um, where workers merely have to sign a card to demand an election that might help them unionize the uh, plant. Let's play a little music. We had Leela Downs. Here's the Dixie Chicks who um, recently played a concert with Beyonce. This beautiful anti-war song, Traveling Soldier. Two days past 18, he was waiting for the bus in his army green. Sat down in a booth in a cafe there. Gave his order to a girl with a bow in her hair. He's a little shy, so she give him a smile. And he said, would you mind sitting down for a while and talking to me? I'm feeling a little Said I'm off in an hour and I know where we can go. So they went down and they sat on the pier. He said, I bet you got a boyfriend, but I don't care. I got no one to send a letter to. Would you mind if I sent a
One Friday night at a football game, the Lord's Prayer said and the anthem sang. A man said, folks, would you bow your heads for a list of local Vietnam dead? Okay, that was uh, Natalie Maines and uh, the Dixie Chicks, my favorite country and western group, singing um, The Traveling Soldier, an anti-war song. If anything is obvious from our uh, this craziness we're calling our uh, presidential campaign, it's the issue of women and the treatment of, of women. We've had three major scandals involving the high and the mighty. Uh, Bill Clinton, of course, who's uh, got got his own, you know, uh, pile of uh, things he should be ashamed of. Affairs, both consensual and non-consensual. Then there's Donald Trump who's uh, a lot less slick than Clinton, but who talks about women and talks about treating women and treats women in the most disgusting ways possible. Uh, For this, uh, I'm sure there are people who think he's, he's doing what you're supposed to do. Others are grabbing their nose and voting for him. 
Um, and third, Roger Ailes. Um, Fox News anchor Megyn Kelly came out with, with a book. And uh, she talks about how Ailes uh, pursued her for so long and made raunchy remarks to her. And uh, so... He's gone, but the other two are still there. So the standoff goes on at uh, in North Dakota. Those people are really out there for you and me. These are the first shots in a war to uh, control the resources of the earth. Right now, the resources of the earth are controlled by business people, by capitalists and their stand-ins, like uh, Barack Obama. And uh, so here's Buffy Sings the finally opened Now that you're wondering how must they feel Meaning them that you've chased across America's movie screens. Now that you're wondering, how can it be real that the ones you've called colorful, noble, and proud in your school propaganda, they starve in their splendor? You've asked for my comment, I simply will render. My country, tis of thy people you're dying. Now that the longhouses breed superstition, you force us to send our toddlers away to your schools where they're taught to despise their traditions. Forbid them their languages, then further say that American history really began when Columbus set sail out of Europe and stress that the nation of leeches that's conquered this land are the biggest and bravest and boldest and best. And yet where in your history tale of the genocide basic to this country's birth of the preachers who lied how the bill of rights failed how a nation of patriots returned to their earth and where will it tell of the liberty bell as it rang with a thud over kins of mud and a brave Test. Oh, well, blankets for land is a bargain indeed. 
And the blankets were those Uncle Sam had collected From smallpox disease dying soldiers that day And the tribes were wiped out And the history books censored A hundred years of your statesmen Have felt it's better this way Yet a few of the conquered Have somehow survived Their blood runs the redder Though genes have been paled From the Grand Canyon's caverns To Craven's sad hills The wounded, the losers Sing their tale from Los Angeles County to upstate New York. The white nation fattens while others grow lean. Oh, the tricked and evicted, they know what I mean. My country is of thy people, you're dying. The past, it just crumbled. Just threatens our lifeblood shut up in your chemical tanks. And now here you come, bill of sale in your hand, and surprise in your eyes that we're lacking in thanks for the blessings of civilization you've brought us, the lessons you've taught us. And safe behind laws Now that my life's To be known as your heritage Now that even The graves have been robbed Now that our own chosen way Is a novelty Hands on our hearts We salute Scarlet hypocrisy Pitying the blindness That you've never seen That the eagles of war Whose wings lent you glory They were never no more Than carrion crows Pushed the wrens from their nest Stole their eggs Changed their story It's all that she knows Ah, what can I do? Say a powerless few With a lump in your throat And a tear in your eye Can't you see that their poverty's profiting you? My country, tis of thy people
Of course, Buffy St. Marie with uh, her famous, famous indictment of capitalism and the uh, capitalist system. My country, tis of thy people are dying. Well, they might be dying, but they're not dead yet. And a whole collection of people from all over the world now are assembling in North Dakota to struggle against the uh, access pipeline. Uh, who knows where it'll lead? I want to get a, a little bit now from an Indian Native American poet, a man named John Trudell. And Trudell has this uh, amazing out-of-the-box idea, like poets often do, that as well as mining the land and exploiting the earth, big corporations and their financial allies are mining our minds. Listen up. This is John Trudell. civilization is, then the great lie is that civilization is good for us. But I think that we really need to put serious thought into understanding that we're dealing with a disease. You know, it's like there's this predator energy on this planet. And this predator energy feeds upon the essence of the spirit, feeds upon the essence of the human being, the spirit. Predator energy can take fossil fuel and, and other resources out of the earth, turn it into fuel to run a machine system. But in order for there to be a need for that system, and in order for that system to work, they have to mine our minds to get at the essence of our spirit. The same way the external mining takes place, it pollutes, we see now, people understand how it poisons the environment, the water, the air, pollution. The mining of the essence, the 
mining of the spirit, mining our minds. The pollution from that is all the neurotic, distorted, insecure behavior patterns that we develop. That's the pollution. Because in order for this predatory system, this disease, to work, we must not be able to use our minds in a clear, coherent manner. Because if we use our minds in a clear, coherent manner, we will not accept the unacceptable. But it's a disease that lives and travels through the mind, through the generations. John Trudell talking about the uh, deeper exploitation, the uh, mining of our minds, the mining of our spirits, taking uh, our ideas and our concepts and turning them into commodities so they can get rich. It's happening. World Labor Now. This is Radio Labor, produced in uh, the United Kingdom. The World Labor Report. U.S. Labor says, well, I'll let them tell you. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report, recorded on Friday, November 4th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the largest labor federation in the United States urges voters to back Hillary Clinton for president. Working conditions grow even worse in Swaziland. A court in the UK says Uber drivers are dependent contractors. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. We need a president who will empower us to reach our full potential. I believe with every fiber of my being that Hillary Clinton is the woman for the job. That is Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the United States. On November 8th, Americans will head to the polls to elect local, state, and national legislators, including a new president to succeed Barack Obama. This year's election has been marred by the nomination of Donald Trump, a right-wing real estate developer by the Republican Party. Many labor leaders in the U.S. have described Trump as a racist, misogynist, fascist, who is not qualified to be president of the most powerful country in the world. They are calling on workers to support the nominee of the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton. They point out that Ms. Clinton has the necessary experience in government and has turned away from anti-worker trade deals such as the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The TPP is a proposed deal amongst 12 nations bordering the Pacific. It would create a freer trade zone which would cover more than 40% of the world's trade. The deal was negotiated in secret and includes a special court for corporations who think a government's action has hindered its profit-making. Ms. Clinton has said that after seeing the final deal, she opposes it. Richard Trumka is the president of the AFL-CIO. For the better part of a year, I've been talking about the dangerous and divisive Republican nominee for president. Today, I'm not even going to mention his name. 
because the case for Hillary Clinton stands on its own. See, the presidency is a very big deal. It requires experience, global knowledge, a sense of history, real awareness of our nation's constantly shifting social order. We're not choosing the apprentice. We're electing the leader of the United States of America. And Hillary Clinton embodies every quality I just described. Yet some working class voters are distrustful of politicians who've been around for multiple terms, let alone decades. And they truly believe no one in power is listening to them. But those of us who know Hillary Clinton can tell you, she is listening. Hillary's fought tirelessly to change the system from within. She's a student of government because she knows it can be a tool to improve people's lives. Her greatest perceived weakness, being an insider, is actually one of her most potent strengths. Hillary has the ideas, experience, and drive to transform our economy into an engine for shared prosperity. For example, after carefully reviewing the TPP, she came to the same conclusion we did, that it's a bad deal for America's workers. She put forward the most aggressive plan for infrastructure since World War II, to the tune of millions of good new jobs. She'll reinvest in urban America to create jobs and opportunities. And she'll make sure workers can form and join unions freely and fairly. My family spent three generations in the coal mines of Pennsylvania. I know the feeling of setback and struggle. And I understand those who are skeptical about our institutions of power. And I share the frustration of every working person who busts their butt only to fall further behind. It's us, America's working people, who will get our country back on track but we can't do it alone. We need a president who will empower us to reach our full potential. I believe with every fiber of my being that Hillary Clinton is the woman for the job. Conditions for working people in Swaziland are growing even more deplorable. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. Thousands of sugar workers in Swaziland are being obscenely mistreated with unhealthy working conditions, poverty-level wages, and violent suppression of unions in the country. A new report by the International Trade Union Confederation documents the state of the sugar industry and its workers. Swaziland is a small southern African country ruled by a dictator king, Mizwatu III. The ITUC report includes evidence of forced evictions of rural communities to make way for sugarcane plantations, deaths, herbicide-caused illness in fields, child labor, dismissals, and harassment of union representatives, and work schedules of up to 60 hours per week without overtime. Women who become pregnant are fired. King Mizwadi's autocratic rule over the country means that Swaziland has one of the worst reputations for repression of workers' rights in the world. This is C. Marie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labor. The international labor movement is welcoming a court ruling in the United Kingdom which says that Uber drivers in the country are employees or dependent contractors rather than self-employed freelancers. 
Unions have been arguing that Uber workers have a direct relationship with the company and are not just users of a computer app. Sharon Burrow is the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the organization which represents national union centers at the world level. What we need to do is make sure that businesses are registered, whether they're operating on a digital platform or whether they're operating in a physical space. A licence to operate is critical. Business must pay their tax, they must actually contribute to social protection and indeed, of course, they must have an employment relationship, either a direct employment relationship or the rule of law providing for joint and several responsibility. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Star correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,200 stories our volunteers collected in the past week. Our top stories section included links to news about the strike by shipbreaking workers in Pakistan after an explosion inside a ship being broken for scrap that killed at least 21 workers, with 150 still trapped inside the burning ship almost a week later a new series of attacks on teachers' union leaders in Ecuador, and the ongoing purge of public sector workers in Turkey. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. In Bermuda, dockers walked over the abuse of seasonal workers. Indonesian bank workers were on the streets demanding an end to pension cuts and layoffs. Public health workers in Barbados were off the job for a day to protest the sacking of a union official. In Burma, garment workers continued five months of strikes and sit-ins as they demanded the payment of money owed to them under their collective agreement. University faculty in Nigeria struck to protest corruption at the highest levels of their university. Government workers in Pakistan continued their sit-in to protest a freeze on promotions and pay rises. And 16,000 sugarcane workers in Zimbabwe were holding flash strikes to protest their dismal pay and harsh working conditions. Our top working women stories included coverage of a union in Canada that bargains for employer-paid workplace advisors for workers facing domestic abuse a petition by more than 5,000 New Zealanders who back union leader Helen Kelly's reinstatement to the position of New Zealander of the Year after her death, and the campaign by textile workers in southern India to win protection from sexual assault by their bosses. The Health and Safety Newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the murder of yet another healthcare worker attempting to provide vaccination services in rural Pakistan, and the news that Russia was continuing to market asbestos in Sri Lanka. Currently, Labourstart is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That was the World Labor Report. Um, all over the world, people, working people, are standing up and demanding a better deal. 
better jobs, more pay, better working conditions. But you're never alone as long as you're willing to stand up. Sometimes it might feel like it, but it's not the case. Okay, we had uh, earlier in this, all, all through the time actually, all through the time that I've been alive, we've had people who poke fun at politicians. We need some of that right now. Anyway, here's Lenny Bruce first on Richard Nixon and then on Lyndon B. Johnson. If I should win the nomination, I will win, yes. Uh, and if I become a candidate, I believe I will be nominated. Naturally, uh, that's a self-serving statement and intended to be so. Uh, but, but you can, uh, but, but I, I am convinced that the man who, event, who survives... Nixon, he hung out with Eisenhower too long. My mental dictionary and my own thoughts are now not as well coordinated as they were once. Eisenhower? He never took his clothes off. I can never, he never went to the toilet. He just stood there. Those who have lost elections in the past have come back to win. I hope to come back to win. That's why he'll never make it. You know that in your heart. He can't make it. I can win. Can I win? Uh, I hope to win. I must demonstrate. I must hope to come back to win. But I can win. I can do the job. Seal, send in Nixon. <laughs> Nick, sweetie, sit down, baby. Ah, oh, has he cute head, the black curly-haired devil. Uh, get some of that 12-year-old scotch over here. Little Havana, huh, baby? Uh, sweetie? What's going on here? Don't put me on. Nobody's putting you on. Well, how'd you like to go to Lebanon? <laughs> Why don't you stop? Like, I don't want to go on any more trips. You did great in Caracas. Are you kidding? They hated me there. They spit at me. They hate me. They threw rocks at me. A few squares who didn't dig your rabble-rousers. I don't want to go anyway. Create a monster, is that what I did? The boy I helped capture teeth. I don't want to be ungrateful or anything like that. It's just I don't, I don't, you know, if I did good in one place, you know. You did good in Biloxi. I don't want to go. Why? They just don't like me, that's all. Something about my hair, I think. Want me to tell you the truth? What? They liked you, it's your old lady, Pat. <laughs> that's it, everybody dug you. It's her, she overdresses. <laughs> Besides, who brings their wife on a trip? You'll go, you're not even gonna fly tourists this time. No matter how profound a speech that Lyndon Johnson ever would make, he could never make it. 
Folks, I think nuclear fission, you think you're putz. Get out of here. And I, I, I want to talk about the horizon. When you talk about that, you're a shit kicker, Daddy. They didn't let him talk for the first six months. It took him six months to learn how to say Negro. Negro. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, let's hear it one more time, Linda, now. Okay. All right, let him, let him pose again, okay. Okay. Negro. Oh. Now, can you say, look, is it say, say it quick, Negro. Okay. Nigger, oh, oh, or nigger, oh. I can't help it, I can't say it, that's all. I can't say nigger, I'm pissing in bed and everything is stuttering. I can't, what the hell, nigger, 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 Let me show my scar, no, 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 no. Just say it and say it and that's it, bro. And here's uh, Lenny's take on uh, another right-wing politician you may have heard of, a right-wing populist. And if any people here would feel any hostility for our, oh yes, he's Jewish, oh yes, definitely. And I'm Jewish, and uh, Goldwater, Barry's Jewish enough. And when he gets in our Jewish president, goes up to the camera, he rips off the mask, the big nose, the smut books, the glasses. Yeah! Chicken soup with her fingers and singing in Jewish and the pants falling down. If any Jew feels any hostility towards Goldwater for changing his religion from Jewish for work or Episcopalian, we all did that in fact. We did anyway, our generation. If it wasn't written the name, yeah. My birth name Leonard Alfred Schneider, but it just didn't cut with a pain in the ass. Anglo-Saxon, cool, Lenny Bruce. Okay, so Lenny Bruce and his take on politicians, Johnson, Nixon, and Goldwater. One can imagine if Lenny were alive now. <laughs> the kind of job he would do on, on uh, Donald Trump, as well as on Hillary Clinton. November 5th. November 5th is the birthday of one of the most revered and best known labor leaders, American labor leaders. Eugene Victor Debs. Debs was uh, born in Terre Haute, Indiana. He was one of the founders of the IWW, or the Wobbly, ran for president five times. Debs began his political career as a member of the Democratic Party and helped found the American Railway Union. ARU went a big strike against the uh, Pullman Company and um, won a big strike. But then they were drawn into a strike in, the, in 1894, which uh, 
President Grover Cleveland intervened in and used National Guard troops to break the strike and support the companies. As a leader of the ARU, Debs was convicted of federal charges for defying a court injunction against the strike and served six months in prison. Uh, he had been radicalized in jail, became a socialist, and uh, opposed the entry of the United States into World War I, for which he was jailed and uh, ran for president, got nearly a million votes while he was in jail. United States used to have a strong, much stronger labor union, higher consciousness among uh, the rank and file, definitely. During his trial after the uh, 1894 strike, he was represented by Clarence Darrow and when he got out, became leader of the Socialist Party. Debs was and uh, eventually jailed for um, opposing World War One. His wife Kate was opposed to his socialism, um, so the marriage was not a happy one. And uh, Debs died in 1926. He had been pardoned by President Warren Harding. He was noted by many to be a charismatic speaker who sometimes called on the vocabulary of Christianity and the oratorical style of evangelism. Although sometimes called King Debs, Debs himself was not comfortable with his standing as a leader. In 1906, he said, I'm not a labor leader. I don't want you to follow me or anyone else. If you're looking for a Moses to lead you out of this capitalist wilderness, you will stay right where you are. I would not lead you into the promised land if I could, because if I led you, someone else would lead you out. You must use your own heads as well as your hands and get yourself out of this present condition. Here's a song by Ann Feeney celebrating the life and work of Eugene Debs. Hell with all who crave it. When masters rule the world no more we'll need no wars to save it. The ones who own the tools, hoard the wealth, make the rules. The planet suffers for the powerful few. Gene Debs had a lot to say years ago. True today, with two million locked away, what can we do? There's a better world waging, work to win it. Put an end to poverty, to hunger, despair. 
there is a criminal class, I am in it. While there is a soul in jail, then I am not free. Right there's Eugene Victor Debs. Here's a little bit from the speech he gave when he was uh, convicted. Your Honor, I have stated in this court that I am opposed to the form of our present government. I'm opposed to the social system by which we live. But I believe in the change of both, but by perfectly peaceable and orderly means. I'm thinking this morning of the men in the mills and the factories. I'm thinking of the women who, for a paltry wage, are compelled to work out their lives. Of the little children who in this system are robbed of their childhood and in their early tender years are seized in the remorseless grasp of mammon and forced into the industrial dungeons there to feed the machines 
while they themselves are being starved body and soul. One of the giants of the American labor movement, but also one of the great, great movers for social justice here in the United States. So, this crazy thing we've got going on called a campaign, political campaign, reminds me of a song by the great Les McCann and uh, Eddie Harris playing sax. Compared to what? That is hanging up the goddamn nation Looks like we always end up in a rut Everybody now trying to make it real compared to what Come on, baby Children are killing frogs. Poor dumb rednecks rolling along. Tired old ladies kissing the dogs. 
Sunday sleep and not trying to duck the wrath of God. Preachers filling us with fright. They all trying to teach us what they think is right. They really got to be some kind of nut. I can't use it. I'm trying to make it real compared to what. Okay, Liz McCann there with uh, his sideman uh, on that one was Eddie Harris blowing sacks. They must be some kind of nut trying to make it real compared to what? Okay, it's time for this day in labor history. And I had occasion this last week to drive down to uh, the Imperial Valley Um Actually, I went over to Mexicali for for a day. Came back. I was reminded that the Imperial Valley and the area just north of the border uh, has been a hotbed for labor organizing. Uh, the IWW had a uh, a headquarters in Holtville, which is right next to El Centro. El Centro is the uh, county seat of Imperial County. Well, in 1930, first of all, 
the imperial the whole imperial valley was caused by a broken uh, by take making a big hole in the side of the Colorado River which was supposed to uh, irrigate the valley the problem was that once the hole had been blasted it couldn't be closed the uh, engineers couldn't figure out how to close the hole so for three years water flowed part of the flow of the Colorado River flowed into the desert in the Mojave Desert in Southern California and there was a small lake there that uh, came alive during the rains and dried up and this became the Salton Sea a huge freshwater lake in Southern California which by the way is shrinking year by year because it's not being fed so the Imperial Valley became a garden spot I mean the amount and percentage of vegetables produced there was very high um, and in 1930 on January 1st Mexican and Filipino workers walked off their jobs throughout the valley they were complaining of low wages and abysmal working conditions and they vowed to strike before until their demands were met almost exactly three weeks later the strike was called off this was due mostly to the power of the growers within the Imperial Valley supported by the uh, legal framework and the government local government there were also divisions within the organizations leading the strikers the strike was notable because it showed the power of the mutualistas the mutual aid societies the strong basis that the strike was formed on was these mutualistas and um, three Communist Party organizers the strike failed uh, the Mexican Mutual Aid Society had differences with the communist organizers and the whole strike kind of fell apart on the 23rd of January workers went back to their jobs none of their demands were met and they were forced to go back to work under horrible conditions or risk risk deportation uh, it was a blow to the Communist Party in that area 1930 it was several years before another such strike was organized in 1934 in the Salinas Valley Salinas Filipino lettuce cutters and mainly white packing shed workers struck the powerful Salinas Valley California growers and shippers demanding union recognition and improved working conditions but the growers used divisive tactics and scab labor to cause setbacks to the workers struggle white workers who were refugees from the depression and the dust bowl came to Salinas for work in its thriving lettuce fields workers were housed 
in roadside camps with poor sanitation. After World War One, a lot of Filipinos came here. Remember, the Philippines were conquered in 1898 in an especially bloody imperialist war. And uh, Filipino workers were welcomed to the fields because they were not Chinese, not Japanese, not white. The great fear always among the growers was that the workers would get together uh, different nationalities of workers. In 1934, when the Filipino lettuce color cutters and white packing shed workers struck, demanding union recognition and improved conditions, they made an agreement between them. Neither group would bargain without the other. After several day weeks of an effective strike, the grower shipper chippers, shippers, agreed to bargain. The agreement was made on a Saturday night. Send your workers back to work immediately, said the bosses, and we'll negotiate on Monday. Sunday is not a work day, and no one returned until Monday when the packing shed representatives refused to talk to the union representatives because they had, quote-unquote, violated the agreement to return to work. While the Packers Union was negotiating its contract, organized white vigilante gangs were burning down Filipino labor camps, driving Filipino organizers from the valley and bringing in scabs to break the strike. And I wanted to talk a little about Carlos Bulwasan. Looks like we're not going to have time to do that. We always have too much. About the Cubs. The Cubs. Oh, yeah, I've just been reminded about the Cubs. And as a baseball fan, everybody knows these stories about the Cubs who haven't won a World Series for over 100 years, or hadn't, I should say. And, you know, reams of paper were written by Cubs fans about how how self-destructive it is to be a Cubs fan, but you still have to. Anyway, and, and the angst of, of the poor Cubs was personified, or sort of, in this goat. The legend of the goat was that the Cubs, the team had not allowed a saloon owner to bring his goat to the game. So he said that the Cubs would be under a curse. And it sure looked like it for a long time. Several times the Cubs looked like they had good teams and were even in competition right until the end. But something would always happen. One time a fan put his head hand down and deflected a ball that would have been the last out in an important game. Anyway, so this week the Cubs, yes, Won the World Series. They beat uh, the Cleveland Indians, who have this terrible mascot. They beat the Indians 8-7 to seven, uh, in a seven-game World Series. Okay? That's the Cubs. Five Latinos. Okay, I want to say that... Uh, 
This is Labor and Love, and I'm the B, and we always remind you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, that means another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. I want to thank my special guest today, Sylvia Ramirez, for her discussion of uh, Day of the Dead and other things. I want to call out to my daughter, Vita, who makes me proud to be a dad. Congratulations to you, sweet Sue, working in an office that supports battered and abused women can't get any more important than that and everybody including Solina and Nepo and the whole group want to play special tribute today to my parents Christine and William of Minneapolis and uh, Duluth Minnesota respectively if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't be here. Okay, time to say bye. I hope you have a good week and uh, good work. The Internacional will unite the human race.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission High vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission High for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. 
rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk, come together with music from around the world, with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. an underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Posters and design for every need. So go now 
to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy. And this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at Podcasts. PCRcollective.org. So come live or listen later or to every happy hour mic Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. at Radio FL Mutiny Radio. I just fucked that up again. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah! I got it. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvement.